But I walk to this podium tonight trying to say something that I feel might would reach our hearts. I will endeavor to speak on a subject that can easily be misunderstood because my subject tonight is a negative. I am not suggesting that there is no hope for you or for me. I do not believe that there is hope in Jesus Christ. I said there is hope in Jesus Christ. And I do not want you to think that I am addressing you because really I stand here to preach to Wayne McLean. And as I get into the message, you'll understand because I've had quite a talk with myself lately and I am indeed concerned. And I know that the spirit of this service has been victory, mighty power of the Holy Ghost. There, it wouldn't really be a camp meeting if there wasn't shouting, now running, spontaneous response, crying and praying around the altar. That's all a part of camp meeting. Praise God. But I ask you tonight to give us just a few moments of your time and let us share with you some simple thoughts from the Word of God. Would you stand with us? I'd like to read the familiar story of Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 8, the story of the five wise and the five foolish. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto the ten virgins, which took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no all with them. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there, not, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went, to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. I would like to use for a subject tonight, most likely, you won't change. Most likely, you won't change. The story that I've read from the Word of God tonight is perhaps one of the more simple illustrations of the Scripture. Our children hear it in Sunday school. It's been preached across the podiums 
of our fellowship hundreds upon hundreds of times. So much of what we hear from this particular story is not really as we've sometimes heard it preached, but rather it relates to a Jewish custom and to that of the bridegroom gathering with his friend, going to that special gathering of the marriage. But I stand here tonight fully aware that it is very difficult to realize and recognize how easy it is to become familiar with your lifestyles, what you are, what you adjust to. And after a while, it becomes rather commonplace. The scripture tells us there was five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. The custom of the bridegroom coming, according to Jewish history, was that when the evening star would rise around nine o'clock in the evening, there would be a gathering of friends along the way. And they would wait until they would hear the exciting joy of the multitude. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. He is on his way. Prepare. All of the friends of the bridegroom, wake up. This is the night of celebration. In this particular story, for some strange reason, there was a delay, a problem. Many people would gather along the roadside and in their fatigue go to sleep waiting for the hour to come or the time to come that the bridegroom would come by. And this night, it was at midnight that the bridegroom came. The story in its simplicity is that the five foolish had their lamps, but they did not bring vessels of oil. The wise not only had their lamps and oil, but they had extra vessels and oil. I look at this tonight maybe a little different. I see in this the charge of the foolish. Give us of your oil. We want to light our lamps. We must be about our journey. And in my feelings, I believe that they sought to buy from them or borrow from them because undoubtedly in times past they had borrowed from their friends and they said not so we cannot loan you tonight there is just enough in the vessels for us to keep our lamps trimmed and burning what I would like to address is that it is an easy thing to become familiar with burning lamps, trimming of the wick, filling the vessels, extra oil, and then complacency, taking for granted, feeling as if I've got enough. You see, my friend, in this great experience of the Holy Ghost that we by the miracle of God have been blessed to receive 
There is areas of spiritual plateau where we satisfy ourselves in a place or an oasis of the Spirit. We feel God and we know God. But after a while, it is so commonplace. It is so routine. We learn the functions of the church. We learn what's happening next. We can close our eyes and go to an apostolic church. And we almost know before the service has hardly begun what's going to happen next. Friend, in my church, I can tell you who's going to run and who's not going to run. I'll tell you who's going to sleep and who's not going to sleep. I'll tell you who's going to shout in a certain way and who won't shout in a certain way. And if you really want to know what's going to happen at our church, talk to my young people. They can mimic everybody, everything that happens on a Sunday night. They know every action. They know how you lift your hand. They know how you say hallelujah. And I believe tonight it's probably that way in your church. But hear me tonight. I've come to talk about something where we settle into a stalemate. And it's almost like the setting of concrete. There is a time that you can smooth it. And there can be a slick surface finish as in the floor of this tabernacle. But there is a time just a short few minutes later where the chemical change is made and there is no altering of the surface. There comes a place in our spiritual walk with God where we take for granted it's going to be all right and I don't have to worry. And what I've come to say tonight is that more than likely you're at your spiritual plateau. You've reached the apex. You're satisfied. You're content to be what you are. There is a justifiable reason for the prayerlessness of yesterday. There is an explanation why that we do not weep over the Word of God like we wept over the Word of God last year. Somehow, someway, Something has got to happen to the United Pentecostal Church. I'm not saying that what we're doing is wrong. I believe it's right. I believe you shouted real tonight. I believe your tears are real. But I... And I'll come back to myself in a few moments. And if you'll allow me to preach about Wayne McLean, I'd like to show you a part of me that maybe you don't know, but I live in this tabernacle. But you hear me tonight, friend. There comes a place where you realize I find myself going back to the same spiritual landmark. And about the time I'm going to move into a new dimension, I become satisfied with the quiver of the Spirit. I get my little dates back. I get the tears running down my cheeks. And it feels like it did a few years ago. And I'm satisfied to be there. Hallelujah. You know what happens, friend? We get the feeling like it's all right. That's why I'm saying tonight, 
most likely you're not going to change. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you like you plan to be? Life has a way of letting us put off what we know we ought to be doing. Last minute catch up. Rushing to an airport. When if we would have reorganized our schedule, it wouldn't have been as it is. Trying to meet a crisis. Time schedules. But there's something about our nature that we find ourselves in the throes of repetition. And you tell yourself, I'm not going to do this again. But next time, it's the same crisis. It's the same problem. It's another day like it was last month. And you look at yourself and say, am I going to change? Am I going to change? Hear me tonight. I feel preached now. I said, hear me tonight. I know that we have the attitude, I'm coming to camp meeting to get something. But there needs to be a new camp meeting attitude. And it's not a matter of coming to get something. But we need to pack our Holy Ghost suitcase and say, I'm bringing something to camp meeting to give out. Please understand me. I bring my notepads. I gather notes from the preachers. I get seed thoughts from your ministry. It blesses my soul. It starts my mind moving. But oh God, where is that place for the Holy Ghost in its fresh beer? Undefiled anointing sets our heart on fire. And we don't come here trying to find where we were last year at the last camp meeting. But we come fully aware I'm not the same man I was. I'm higher in the spiritual depths. There is a dimension of the Holy Ghost that I walk in that I've never walked in before. I will not be an ordinary saint. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? I love shouting. I said, I love shouting. It's a part of Pentecostal church worship. Praise God. I love for you to just get with it. Hallelujah. I like the way Brother Grisham's been preaching. I do not care about some planned out dance, but dance in the spirit. But you hear me tonight. I've been teaching my church, and I've been teaching Wayne McLean this. Before you come to church and dance, I said, before you come to church and dance, do your homework. Praise God. Praise God. He said, what are you saying? Do you have your vessel? Do you have plenty of oil? 
Or are you just prepared for a few moments along life's roadside? There's a place where you know you've got it. This parable speaks of five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. They lived a pure lifestyle. They were not promiscuous, but one were foolish. There's a place in the frame of the church where we don't have any spiritual stability and spiritual power. And we're made up in our minds. We're not changing. I'm what I am. That's it. Hallelujah. He said, Brother McLean, don't be so negative. Bear with me. Let me preach my heart. Hallelujah. I'm not coming just with a negative note, but something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. When the bridegroom come by, it was not a surprise. They knew he was on his way. It was a planned event. They knew the night he was coming. They knew the approximate hour he was coming. They knew there was a wedding feast going on. They knew it. Camp meeting 1994. We sit at the throes of prophetic fulfillment. We live on the precipice of eternal damnation and judgment. Everything that I heard preached as a child that I could not scripturally understand because it was not really being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled before my eyes. But you're looking at a preacher tonight that's learned how to go home and go to bed and sleep at ease. Praise God. I'm going to forget my notes for a few minutes. I don't usually stay with them anyway. I had no idea I'd be standing behind this podium. So what I'm saying was not something that I planned to say as my actions would act out what I did. In the last several months, we've been in a building program. My method of building is kind of a do-it-yourself project. 12 or 14 hours a day. Blue jeans hammer, get with it. But in the middle of the night, I suppose it was the Lord. He woke me up. I was so worn out and tired. He said, Son, you got a nice building over there. I said, thank you. We worked hard for it. But he said, Wayne, why don't you work that hard for me? I said, Lord, I've got obligations to meet. The carpet layers, the painters. Guys come, some fall. They fall for some reason, they can't come. I have to fill in. I've got, I've got obligations. Aren't you obligated to a world? 
2.30 in the morning. Joyce was fast asleep nearby, and I slipped out of that bed. I went in and got in the carpet. No, I wasn't battling some moral transgression. But I thought I was doing pretty good. But I got to check in back. Quick prayers. And you preachers know what I'm saying. You fight like everything to get a sermon because you're working six days a week, 60, 70 hours, trying to build a church. Justified. I've had to warm over a few sermons, Lord, and hope they work. Will you change me? I want to preach something here tonight. You say, but oh, the Lord can change us. He can. But I want you to know one thing. He's not going to usurp your will. You're going to have to want to change. You're going to have to present yourself. When the surgeon gets ready to do exploratory surgery, like it was just this week with some of the folks, their little baby, the surgeon wants a release. We don't know if they're going to live or die. We don't know the possibilities. And so you're going to have to give me every legal right to do what's necessary. And I sprawled out on that carpet. I said, listen, God, I can't help myself. I get my priorities mixed up. I find myself chasing after things that are not too important. But, oh, God. I'm 55 years old. I've tried to change, but I gra gravitate back to that same little world that I'm in. You know, one of the heartbeats of this congregation tonight is the condemnation that we live under. You know, one of the greatest feelings that we battle is the fact that we know that relationship with God is surface. It thrills us when we can feel a shout. Kind of means everything's all right. I'm back in good order with him, Brother Russo. Praise God. Felt the Holy Ghost. Things are going good now. Listen to me, Jesus. If you'd have walked into my den that night, you'd have thought I was insane. I said, I don't want the blessings of the Spirit. I want the knife. Oh, word, eternal word, that sharp two-edged sword. Would you cut asunder the callousness of my indifference and break up my spirit? Something's got to happen. Let me quickly say it tonight. Criticism isn't going to give us a revival. Criticizing each other is not going to bring a revival. Before I have any right to say anything negative about anybody, I need to see how much have I been praying for that person before I open my mouth. My God! Will I ever change? We've learned how to play church.
We've learned how to play church. Things are good. Most likely, we won't change. You're satisfied where you're at. A young man that used to be on this campground is caught up in the promiscuous lifestyle that we despise. I ran across him the other day. I looked him in the face and I said, won't you come visit our church? Somebody might raise their eyebrow and say, what in the world are you talking about? I said, there's a little chance. It's not much, but there's a little chance. We just might be able to save somebody. We built walls around ourselves and we're going to do it our way. You haven't had church till we have all of the different aspects of Pentecostalism manifest. But I'm here to tell you, I've got one of the finest groups of people there is in Pentecost. I love them like my own brothers and sisters. But we've got problems also. We don't have time to knock doors like we used to knock doors. We're so busy, the schedules of our week are such that we just can't get done what we used to get done. Brother Grisham hit on this, but I'm repetitiously saying again, I'm telling you, friend, it's out of town. It's go here. It's do that. But, oh, God, where is our burden? Saturday nights ago we was in our regular prayer meeting at the church as my wife and I got out of her car to go in the back of the church Johnny Williams come riding up on his bicycle and he looked at me and he said bro McLean I need a key to the back door I've been riding around trying to get in the church the people in the prayer room are locked in we have a lot of vandalism have to lock it up and I looked at that teenage boy he said, I want to get into the prayer room. You know what I did? I walked away. You know why I walked away? Because I told God the other night, I love you. But I don't love you like I want to love you. You see, the charge to Israel, you got to love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And your strength. We're doing everything you're doing, preacher. We know everybody that misses church. We've got a record of every saint that doesn't come. There's a phone call. There's a ladder on the way. But I'm here to tell you, you're not going to phone call them. And you're not going to send out enough letters and play this game of psychology. And, and take care of a heart that is made up. I'm satisfied. I've got just enough. That's all I want. I'm not sensitive to the spirit, nor do I plan to be. I'm happy on the fringe. I don't want any more. Leave me alone, preacher. Five minutes after nine. You know, one of the major concerns of our Pentecostal churches including mine. And yes, I'll admit, I've got a reputation of being a long-winded preacher.
But I'm not preaching long just to try to see if I can set a track record. I'm trying to salvage a soul. Do you know what we need here? We need a midnight prayer meeting. We need a Holy Ghost invasion. We need our minds made up. Dear God, whatever it takes, I will change. Praise God. I don't know what I've got to do, but I'll do it, preacher. I don't know how many tears I've got to shed, but I'll shed them. I don't know how often I've got to go to the prayer room and pray, but I'll go. I don't know how many days of fasting, but I'll fast. First of all, let's look at it. Scripture clearly says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, God will not hear you. I got to be clean inside. I got to have the right attitude. I got to have the right spirit. And while we sit here, camp meeting 94, we don't know what's going to happen to our government. America is in trouble. The world is in trouble. The gay rights movement is moving hard against the church. Beginning this next fall, schools are introducing to our young grade school children the study of mother's friend and father's friend. Offering to these little children the altered lifestyles so that they'll become familiar. This is the day of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the day of the Antediluvians. But I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to Wayne McLean. And yet, I can settle down. My pulse doesn't beat fast. I live in this world. I hunger. I thirst. I live. I'm pacified. What's wrong with me? Am I going to change? Is there anything? Anything that will change me? Outside these doors tonight, there's a world waiting. We're too busy for them. Too many plans. Too many things. Agrippa said, come again another time. But the another time never came. Esau tried. And he tried to repent. And he sought it bitterly. He just couldn't do it. Brother Grisham, I believe the problem with Esau is he never could get past the bitterness against Jacob. You hear me tonight, there is no greater spirit in this world. Immorality is no greater than bitterness. Where somebody has done you wrong. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily matter if you were not the instigator of it. 
if it lodges in your spirit. It's a horrible spirit, but it'll destroy you. And somehow, some way, get it out. Get it out. Get it out. I gotta change. I gotta love. Five foolish virgins slept beside the five wise. The difference were five were prepared, five were not. Why not can why not can this service tonight be my night? Why can I not say somehow? Oh Nazarene miracle worker. I've got to be different. Four soils, four types. And Jesus clearly said only one was good soil. That means the other three fourths, if there's any hope for them, there has to be a soil transition. Somebody's going to have to break it up. Somebody's got to change that soil with its rocky, terrible soil factor and put proper soil in. Not everybody's going to be saved. You know what Jesus said about some that left the kingdom? He said that they were never a part of us. They were there in the church, but they never were a part. What he's saying, Brother Holly, is something down inside never was right. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. I suppose one of the greatest things of childbearing, fatherhood, motherhood, is the closeness of the child. When those little children snuggle up in your arms, put the arm around your neck and say, Daddy, I love you. And you say, how much do I love you? I said, let me show you. And they just squeeze with all of their might. I've been trying to squeeze him lately. I've been trying to tell him this thing's been an ongoing thing for weeks. Early in the morning. No, no schedule. Pardon me. No schedule. Fault me if you will. No schedule. Jesus, still trying. I love you, but I'm just not strong enough to love you like I want to love you. You know one of my major concerns? You hear me tonight? If you look here and see Wayne McLean, it's wasted effort. May I repeat it? If you, all you see is Wayne McLean, it's wasted effort. But if you've been in the book, I want a little likeness. Like him. For something will catch hold of us. 
we can truly sing it to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. Now, I, I apologize for spending so much time on myself. They tell us that that's not the proper thing. Forget it. I'm going to do it anyway. Let me show you where I live. By the time I was 14 years old, I was so determined to impress him, I made some personal covenants that I wouldn't do some things. Brother Grisham, I told the Lord, if he had blessed me, I'd never wear a short sleeve shirt the rest of my days. I'm 55 years old. I will not wear one. I don't preach against them. I don't preach against them. Pardon me, but I don't. Decently, I don't see anything wrong with it. I tell my men that if the ladies are going to have them elbow length, they ought to look like the women. Hello? Striving to be a little different. And I get my little things that I do, and I get my self-righteousness and Kind of stands out. Well, I, I don't wear short sleeve shirts, praise God. And I don't do this and I don't do that. And, and, and boy, I'm doing good. Some of you guys look at old Wayne McLean. He's doing good, isn't he? But when you get in the presence of him, and I know I don't feel for him like I want to. I want to show you how ugly my spirit is. I told my wife the other morning, I said, I, I'd just like to sleep all night like you sleep sometimes. She doesn't sleep all night every night. I said, this early stuff, I'd, I'd like to just have a seven or eight hour nap, four or five hours. But that's my nature. I'm a complainer. What he was doing, Brother Kilgore, he's doing me a special favor. A country boy, a special favor. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice, I'll come in. And I get out of bed and go in and complain to him. It's early, Lord. Oh, yes. I'm busy doing things. I've got to meet people at the camp. I've got things I've got to do. And I'm going to just feel a certain thing in the youth camps. I'm going to reach a certain spiritual plateau in the night services of the camp meeting. I'm not going to reach out and pledge myself to a new dimension. I'm not going beyond because I've made up my mind. I'm not changing. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I'm myself. Spirit that we received, the Holy Ghost, our helper. He'll lead us if we'll let him lead us. Judas, the one that dips his hand in the sop, is going to betray me. And he had the nerve to say, is it I? But he wouldn't change. Belshazzar knew exactly that he would, how rebellious he was. And when the finger of God wrote upon the wall, he knew he was in trouble. But I won't change. If we believe what we say we believe, Pentecost, 
The revival of the end time must either come out of us or we must completely apostatize and him raise up another. I don't believe we're going to completely apostatize. I believe that in the mercies of God, somehow, there must be a heavenly shaking. Jerusalem, I come to visit with you. I rode through your city. I've wept over you. But no, you wouldn't do it. How many of you saints will go back home, rush to your pastor and say, look, I want to be a part of a new outreach ministry in our church. I'm sick of just being the ordinary. I'm changing. I'm changing. Give me a thousand tracks, preacher. I'm going to do something. I'm changing. I want a key to the church, pastor. I'm praying. And I know you ought to pray at home first, but I want to walk through the aisles of my congregation. I want to move among the pews. I want to pray over the house of God. I want a revival in our church. I pledge to cease criticizing the preacher. And I want to be 100% behind him. I'm going to change. I'm not going to gripe about everything. I'm going to change. I'm going to receive a burden. Something's going to stir me. Something's going to stir me. You see, living for God is like the sympathizers in the time of the woman's pregnancy. They smile and offer you con congratulations, but they're on their way. You're the one that's miserable as miserable can be. You're the one that has nausea throughout the night. You're the one that feels so embarrassed by what you look like because you're not just living an ordinary lifestyle. And I'm telling you, the real church of God is not going to act like everybody else in the church. There's a difference. There is the sound. There is a sound that comes from the distance. And you hear it clear. And you know it's the voice of your lover. And you're in tune with the Holy Ghost. And you're listening to the Spirit. And you're not going to worry if nobody else does. I'll still do it. If nobody else knocks doors, I'll knock doors. If nobody else prays, I'll pray. If nobody else has a burden, I'll have a burden. If nobody else shouts, I'll shout. If there's only one weeper in the congregation, I'll weep. Hallelujah. The Lord said in the 25th chapter of Genesis, Two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other people. And the older shall serve the younger. That's why mama was willing to help deceive papa. She knew the prophetic utterance. The younger is going to be the leader. Jacob is going to lead. Esau is going to follow. And later on, the scripture clearly tells it. The Lord said, I hated Esau. 
because Esau could not repent. And the reason he couldn't repent, he chose not to repent. If you're not willing to do something, you can't do it. A few weeks ago, I had a young man pray through in the altar. Has a life that, a record that's terrible. Drunkenness, problems, every type of, every type of sin. Almost died tragically in a severe accident, gunshot wounds. And I looked at him and he said, Brother McLean, my marriage is breaking up. And I'll tell you what this makes me want to do. He said, when I drink, I get violent. I admit I beat my wife. I admit I, I, I get angry when I get drunk. But I tell you, she says she's not coming back. You know what I want to do? I, I want to go get drunk again. I said, listen, son, you'd better get a hold of yourself. We can't get him back to church. God help us. He's on his way to hell. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. I'm not changing. One of the cleanest young men that I ever met up with lived one of the most separated lives that I ever witnessed. Was done wrong by a friend. And he got bitter. I begged him. I wept with him. I called him by his name. I said, please. Please. You can't do this. But you don't understand. It hurts. No. I've never had this spirit before. And I won't let go. His life is in shame. Most likely, he won't change. There's some of us sitting here tonight with good intentions. And that's all. It won't be any better. Just good intentions. The potter looks the marred vessel he's tried to make a vessel out of it and he goes back to that marred disfigured piece of clay says I'm going to try it one more time he has to moisten has to bend and shape but after a while it's pliable enough he can put it on the potter's wheel. And the scripture said, he made it over again. Anybody feel what I'm trying to say? Anybody feel what I'm trying to say tonight? There's a God of second chance. I said, there's a God of a second chance. I ask you the question, why is it hard to pray? Why is it that altar workers are getting scarce? One of the greatest prides that ought to be in the church is knowing how to pray somebody through. 
It's about time we have some trophies and we give them out. We give them out at Bible quiz because they were the champion quizzer of that tournament. We need some, we need some trophies to be passed out. Somebody that can take a sinner and in five minutes lead him into the presence of God. Where's the altar workers? And let's get back to an old-fashioned concept. Where's our Bibles? Bibles. Bibles. Tear-stained Bibles. Used Bibles. Marked-up Bibles. References, personal references. All through it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We've drifted so far. But can we get back? Some time ago, I'm hurrying. Well, maybe I'm not. <laughs> my wife and I plan to surprise Meemaw, my wife's mother. She lives in Nacogdoches. And so later in the day, we pulled into the, the yard and parked the car and got out. She met us at the front door with a big smile. You know, you can't understand love, can you? It's beyond us. She said, I woke up this morning thinking Joyce and Wayne's coming. I went down to the hitch lock and I got some turnip greens. That's what Wayne likes. And I've made the cornbread and I've got the turnip greens, uh, turnip greens with the pork chops ready. And I've been waiting for a while for you to get here. I just had a feeling who's coming. You say, what are you trying to preach tonight? I'm trying to say, I just wonder how many times that Jesus has looked down, I'll use you, brother, and said, coming by today, I just got a feeling you'll talk to me. You know what the little nudging you get in the early morning during the day driving along the road you know what that is? I want to have a little talk with you, but I'm busy. I've got obligations. I, I'm locked in on my schedule. Everything is a fixed thing. When are we going to learn it all? When we're going to learn it, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. What we need, what I've got to have, that pure, unadulterated, saturating presence of the Holy Ghost, engulf me, saturate me, flood me, change me, Jesus. Praise God. I need a change. I need a change. You know what he said? First Thessalonians 5 of the times and the seasons, brethren. You have no need that I write to you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. We know how it's going to be. We know the nearness 
of his coming. But now it's the question, will I do something about it? Musicians come. Most likely, you won't change. A year from now, you'll be in the same level. You'll be quoting the same scriptures. You'll be having the same testimonies. And I'm sick of it. I've got to be different. Fresh anointing, fresh touch. I apologize. I sincerely apologize. Brother Holly, I've tried. I apologize. We're right back to square one. A few little tears are going to run down our cheeks. There's not going to be any real deep, gut-wrenching feelings. There's not going to be anything that will keep us awake, awake into the night. But camp meeting time is when you laugh and talk with your friends to midnight or one o'clock fellowship. And hey, I love it. I think that ought to be. But Brother Ron Smith, there needs to be something that pulls higher. And after I've spoken to you and we've talked, something ought to call me to a secret place. We need a camp meeting that'll go all night long in our motel rooms. There needs to be people calling in saying something's going wrong in that other room. There's groanings. Maybe somebody's hurting. And Brother Grisham, somebody is trying to change. I don't need just a few little tears. I'm not trying to get an audience response and say, well, a thousand come to the altar. You know what I'd rather have? I'd rather have you go home and still feel the impact of my burden a month from now than to get a response and it's gone before daylight. You're not going to change. You're satisfied. You're not going to listen to your pastor. You're going to do it your way. You're going to live your life. Go ahead. Live it. It's the end time. The king's coming. We are looking at the coming of Jesus Christ. But we're not willing to get down with it and have a real heart-rending change in our spirit. My God, get a hold of me. Would it embarrass you to turn to someone and say, I do need help. I don't want to be what I am. I'm not happy being me. I'm not happy being me. Would somebody pray for me? Would somebody help me? I need help. I need help. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to just be a part of history. I don't want to be a part of cold indifference. 
but I want something to happen inside my spirit. Change me, Jesus. Change me. Change me. Let's sing something. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Friend, if you need the Holy Ghost, you can have it tonight. There's plenty of mercy at Calvary. There's plenty of blood. There's plenty of grace. There's plenty of love. There's plenty of hope. You can be changed if you'll let him. There can be a difference if you'll surrender. Oh, Lord, would you speak? to us tonight that's it let's pray let's pray hallelujah praise God would you offer a prayer would you offer a prayer help me Jesus help me Jesus help me, Jesus, help me.